The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. It is February 13th. Crazy. We're almost halfway through the month of February. It is a gorgeous day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Sun is shining. A little bit chilly outside, but hey, I'll take it. I like this type of weather. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you in the studio for the next two hours right here on ES. ESPN 106.7. We've got a great show on on tap for you today. Talking a lot of college basketball. Going to take a look around the SEC college basketball. What's been going on? What happened this weekend? Had a couple of games last night. A couple of great games coming up tonight in college basketball. Then starting to look at the week ahead for Auburn basketball in particular. The big game coming up tomorrow night with South Carolina and then Kentucky on Saturday. Plus coming up at hour number two, Daryl Dapperich will join us. We'll talk about Auburn basketball, a little bit of Auburn baseball as well, and so much more with Double D. He'll join us coming up in hour number two. But until then, phone lines are open. Give me a call. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about on this Tuesday afternoon? 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. And as you look at college basketball and kind of looking at standings and rankings we had the newest AP poll come out yesterday and Auburn dropping one spot in that AP poll they are number 13 in the country they have number 11 South Carolina coming in tomorrow and then number 22 Kentucky coming in on Saturday we'll get to that stuff later on in the show but looking at where the SEC lies in this top 25 you've got Tennessee at number eight right now you have South Carolina at 11 Auburn at 13 Alabama at 15 and Kentucky at 22 you also have Oklahoma who is a future SEC team this time next year they will be they are 25 right now and so the SEC, while you know they may not be fully loaded in there, they're pretty well represented. And the thing is, when like we've been talking about, you look around the SEC, look around the conference and the standings, it's still wide open. And that's something that we've talked a lot about on this program and something that a lot of you have asked about and, and are wondering about and having those same conversations is – what is going to win the league? What is the record going to be that wins the SEC? And a couple of weeks ago, the magic number, the magic record, if you will, was 14-4, and four, right? I was asked about that. We've talked about that. And it seemed like 14-4 and four was that number because that's typically what it is. 
But you look at what's happening in the conference right now and look at the top. Alabama's 9-2. and two, South Carolina's 9-2. and two, Auburn's 8-3. Tennessee 7-3. A&M 6-4. Florida 6-4. And, and Kentucky at 6-4. And, and so looking at what Auburn has coming up and just where the conference stands... I don't know if 14-4 and four is good enough to win the SEC. I really don't. I don't know if it's good enough anymore because that would mean Alabama or South Carolina or Auburn or Tennessee would have to lose one, two, three more games for 14-4 and four to be good, to be good enough, I should say. And you look at just Alabama's schedule since they are at the top of the SEC. A&M, Florida, at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, home for Tennessee, at Florida, and then home for Arkansas. Do you see three more losses on that schedule? If we're aiming for the 14-4, and four, do you see three more losses on that schedule? I see maybe two, possibly three. Yeah, at Kentucky, that's pretty tough. Home for Tennessee, that's tough. And at Florida, that's tough. But I feel pretty confident in the Crimson Tide not losing three more games and getting below that four-loss threshold. Same thing with South Carolina, who pretty much has everything in front of them right now, as do all these other teams. I mean, South Carolina, it's theirs. It's theirs to lose, I think, because they probably have the easiest schedule down the stretch. You're at Auburn on Wednesday, tomorrow, which, of course, is not easy. LSU at Ole Miss, at Texas A&M, home for Florida, home for Tennessee, and then at Mississippi State. They should be able to win all of those except Auburn and Tennessee, and then you would think they could split one of those two. Probably the more likely option is to beat Tennessee on your home floor since you already beat them inside of Thompson Bowling Arena. And at that point, if South Carolina just loses one more and wins out, guess what? That's only three losses in the SEC, and that's pretty good. That's pretty good, and guess who already has three losses in the SEC? Your Auburn Tigers. And so to compete with South Carolina, they would have to win out in the SEC. And I just don't know if we have the confidence in this Auburn team to do that. South Carolina Wednesday, Kentucky Saturday, Still a road trip to Tennessee on the books? Still a road trip to Georgia on the books? I don't know, man. I don't, based off of what we saw Saturday, I don't have that confidence. Are you kidding me? I don't have that confidence in Auburn right now. I think they can. I think they have the team and the ability to do it. But given what we've seen and what we just saw, no, there's no way that Auburn wins out. And only stays at three losses. So Auburn's regular season SEC championship odds are pretty drastic here. And I think it's South Carolina's to lose. But then you start looking around college basketball and the latest AP 25 poll and the latest bracketology, right? And it's something that Auburn fans and other fans like to do. And there's an update of bracketology today that we'll get to in just a second. Everybody likes to point out, myself included, about just how 
crazy college basketball has been, how unpredictable the regular season has been, maybe more than it's ever been before. And it's true. It's absolutely true. Road teams are losing. Ranked teams are losing left and right. Just ask Kansas last night. They know. They know what happens. Ranked teams on the road in conference play. It's been brutal. It's been abysmal. And I hope at the end of the season, somebody finds me the stats. Somebody gets me that record, and maybe I got to go do it myself. But go get the record of ranked teams on the road in conference play. I would be willing to bet it's one of the worst it's ever been in the history of college basketball. And that's where we are. And that's what's going to happen in March. The NCAA tournament this year is going to be the best thing we've ever seen. Will there be a top-tier, best team, just a leaps and bounds above everybody else type of squad? I don't think so. Do you know of one? I don't have one. I mean, Purdue is the top overall seed as of right now, and they've kind of held that for a while, but they've got a couple of losses in Big Ten play. Northwestern, Nebraska, they've got some nice wins, but they've struggled as of late here and there. And it's interesting and going to be really, really intriguing to watch how they finish because Purdue has Michigan State at number 14, Illinois, and home for number 20, Wisconsin. That's their last three games. But Purdue is not unbeatable. And we haven't had a team like that in this sport in quite some time. I couldn't tell you the last team that was like that. UConn felt that way going into the tournament last year. It wasn't like that in the regular season, but I think UConn got to that point going into the tournament and throughout the tournament. They were the best team in college basketball, and they ended up winning. But I don't know if we're going to have that this year. And that's exciting. It's very stressful. It's nerve-wracking for college basketball fans, for team-specific fans, including you as an Auburn fan or whoever you're a fan of. That's stressful because nobody's safe. There are not going to be any gimme games in the NCAA tournament this year. That first round, you better buckle in to be ready to go because look around the country. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. But it's fun, and that's what makes college basketball so great. And you look at the latest bracketology that dropped this morning from ESPN and Joe Lenardi. Purdue is that top overall seed. First team out Wake Forest. Last team in is Utah. You go down to the conference breakdowns. And how about this? How about the conference breakdown of the amount of teams from each conference in the tournament as of today on February 13th? The Big 12 has nine. The SEC has nine. Big 10 has six. Mountain West has six. And you keep going down the list from there the ACC has four because that conference is bad the Pac-12 has three because that conference is bad but how about the SEC having nine total teams in it right now and this is something that Uncle T-Bone and I have talked about hit on it a little bit yesterday and I want to hit on it some more I just don't see where nine teams get in to the NCAA tournament. I just don't know if that's going to happen because you look at who the bottom teams are sneaking in as of right now. It's Texas A&M, who is probably a bubble team, I would say. 
Sure, Kentucky's in there. They aren't going to miss it. Alabama, they aren't going to miss it. But you continue to look around. How about Mississippi State? That's a bubble team who's sneaking in right now with a nine seed who basically has their their destiny in their hands. Florida, same way. Now, their win over Auburn helped, sure. But those types of teams are the ones that you just don't know if they're going to get in or not. And Florida was on the bubble going into the weekend. You remember that. And now they're not. Ole Miss is still on the bubble. They're a last four in. And I don't know if... I just don't have the confidence in Ole Miss. I really don't. I don't have the confidence in them to to make the NCAA tournament. They're on a two-game losing streak in the midst of one of the toughest stretches in the country. Auburn at South Carolina, not Kentucky. Miss me with that. They're probably going to lose at Kentucky tonight. But I don't know. Seems like everybody's winning at Kentucky right now. Seems like that's an easy place to play. Three-game losing streak for the Cats inside of Rupp Arena. They still got South Carolina. They still have Alabama. They still have Georgia. They still have Texas A&M. I don't know if Ole Miss makes the NCAA tournament. Because who have they beaten? What's their big win? They don't have one. Ole Miss doesn't have one. Their best win is Florida? Okay, that's a tournament team, I guess. But that's not a high-quality top 25 win and they've had their chances and they're going to have their chances but that's what I'm talking about that's what I'm saying here is there's still a lot of ball games to be played there's still a lot of basketball you look at it two four six eight games eight or nine games left for these teams the SEC is going to continue to beat itself up Mississippi State's of the world, the Ole Misses of the world, Florida's and A&M's, the ones that are fighting to get there. What happens if they all just beat themselves? It looks good now that the SEC's got nine teams in, sure. I just don't think it hangs on. I don't think it lasts. I really don't. You've got your locks, sure. Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky. Those teams aren't going anywhere. They're in. South Carolina, they're in. But there's five or there's probably five of them right now that you just don't know. And other conferences are the same way, other than the Big 12, who is, I think, the best conference of college basketball. But that's what makes it fun. That's what makes this college basketball season so special because the playing field's as level as it's ever been. And we all know why. We know those reasons. It's the same reasons we've been talking about for months and months and months now. And that's why Auburn has to be careful here. Auburn's got to be ready in every game. I don't care if it's Missouri or if it's South Carolina. I don't care if it's Georgia or if it's Kentucky. Auburn has to bring their best game because, yes, they're in the NCAA tournament. But where will you be seated in the SEC tournament? And where will you be seated in the NCAA tournament? I don't know. And I think that's more important than it's ever been before. 334-321-1390. Give me a call. Let's talk a little basketball or anything else you want to discuss on this Tuesday afternoon. 334-321-1390. We'll take our first break in hour number one. Back right after this on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. 
Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7 as we are continuing to talk a little college basketball and looking at Auburn and kind of what the week has in store. We'd love to hear your thoughts, 334-321-1390. And you look at Auburn as the three seed in the latest bracketology, as a three seed, I should say, in the latest bracketology. And, you know, you, you, you look at the rest of the schedule and what's coming up and what Auburn has coming down the stretch they are wrapping up the toughest stretch of their schedule I think right now and I think the next four games are in the midst of this seven game run that we have talked about that started with the game at Ole Miss then the game at home against Alabama at Florida this past Saturday home for South Carolina and Kentucky this week at Georgia at Tennessee the following two games because reminder next week there's no midweek game between the Kentucky and Georgia game that's that bye week essentially that Auburn gets that every SEC team gets Um, so Auburn will not have a midweek game next week but this is still I mean this is the toughest stretch and luckily Auburn has these two games at home South Carolina and Kentucky man these are not these are no jokes and I don't have to tell you that about Kentucky obviously but South Carolina is a good team, and I've been on them for a while, and they have been the biggest surprise in the SEC, one of the biggest surprises in college basketball. Nobody, I mean nobody, had them going 21-3 and and 9-2 and in conference play to start the season. And if anybody did their line, you better send me an audio clip of it because there's no way that somebody predicted this. And credit to them. And they're number 11 team in the country. The number 11 team in the country. And they're coming to Neville Arena tomorrow night. And Auburn better be ready. Because I've told you how good defensively this South Carolina team is. Look at their last couple of games. I'm not counting Vanderbilt because it's Vanderbilt. But they held Ole Miss to 65 points. Georgia to 62 points. They held Tennessee to 59 points. And Missouri, they held them to 64 points. They held Kentucky to 62 points. Arkansas to 64 points. I mean, they have not allowed 70 points since the loss against Georgia. And Auburn, we know Auburn's got the potential to score 80 or 90 points if they want to, especially here in Auburn, right? Here at Neville Arena. But if South Carolina comes in and plays their way of defense, Auburn's going to struggle offensively. And then you look at Kentucky, who can't play a lick of defense, but can run with anybody offensively and can drop 100 on your head at any time. So if you're Auburn, how do you prepare for that? How do you game plan for that? It's a tough thing to do when you're playing two teams back-to-back that are, as of right now, pretty much polar opposites. 334-321-1390. 334-321-1390. We'll get to the phone lines. Inspector, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, uh, I'll talk to you about this Auburn basketball team. You know, the last couple of days I've been hearing how tired they look. And how, and, and, you know, that may have been. But, you know, Auburn's basketball schedule is no worse than any other SEC team. And for them to be outplayed by Florida with the talent they got, I mean, I, I, we have a bench that's second to none in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not buying how, you know, Auburn's tired. You know, if that's the case, if they really are tired, 
Something's going on when the game's not being played. What are these guys doing after hours? You know, they should be resting between Wednesdays and Saturdays. And if they're out there hitting the bricks somewhere else, you know, that, that may be a problem. But I just can't understand it. It just baffles me. I went into this this five-game stretch starting with uh, Ole Miss, and I, I figured that that would be the five games that would tell me how Auburn may work out in, in, in the uh, – in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And right now it's not looking good. I mean, Ole Miss and Florida were at the bottom of the five team tier and we've already split those games. Right. Now we got the three roughest ones coming up. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, those were both obviously those were both on the road and and I as crazy as this sounds, Specter, I really wish one of these South Carolina or Kentucky games were on the road just to see how Auburn would do, just to see how they'd play because it hasn't been good on the road. Look at the last four, or out of the last four road games, you're one and three. You got that win at Ole Miss, sure, but how would this team respond if they had to go to South Carolina or to Rupp Arena where the history is just as bad as it is in Gainesville, but they're going to have that coming up with Georgia and Tennessee. Exactly right. That Tennessee and Georgia is going to be the test for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, talking about the timeouts, uh, we were talked about it a little bit yesterday on the drive. You know, I've heard that uh, the coach, you know, he doesn't like to call the timeouts. He mm-hmm. wants the other team to be running all the time. Well, you know, well, that means your team's going to be running all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but that shouldn't matter to our team. I mean, we got a bench that could be thrown in there and let our first stringers rest and then invite, you know, back and forth. So, yeah, let him run. But if he's not calling timeouts when he should be calling timeouts, I mean, it's just a waste of timeouts because he's not – you can't take those through the bank. That's right. You can't take them with you. And with the timeout no. thing, I think it, it comes down more – for me personally, it comes down more to stopping the bleeding and cutting off momentum before a team gets hot rather than – Auburn getting tired because I think Auburn's conditioned just fine but it's it's when those teams start going on runs and momentum is a real thing you understand that and 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 yep. it's just it's really hard to watch when Auburn gets in those lulls and this is not just this season it's been in the history of Bruce Pearl and we just have to sit there and watch it it's like I mean it you know it's it's brutal to watch sometimes you know you know, Florida had a week off, or or not a week off, but I guess well, it was a week off, seven days, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, most teams like Auburn, for instance, they're, they're hot, beating Alabama and so on, and they have a seven day rest. I think that hurts really. I mean, you're you're hot, and all of a sudden you're cool, you're cooled off for seven days, and then you're coming back in to play again. I think most teams are, are struggle to try to score and do defense after a seven day rest. It definitely it definitely can have that effect on some teams, and I think it I think it depends on how you're playing going into that. It's like a bye week in football, right? I mean, if you if you're hot going into it, and then yeah, you take that whole which basically is two weeks off with football. I mean, yeah, it, it definitely can have a negative effect. Sure. Yeah, um, there's a couple other subject matters I'd like to talk to you about, but I guess I'll do it at a different when you're back on those. I want to talk NFL. I want to talk Alabama football. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we're up against the break that. right now, but. Okay, I'll call you back later. Yeah, that sounds good. Thanks so much, Specter. Appreciate it. 334-321-1390. Yeah, music's going to bump me out of here in just a second or two. Um, yeah, I think, you know, with the with the bye week, 
or I guess the off week, it's not a bye week in basketball, you get that off week and no midweek game that the SEC is dealing with right now. It is, it, it really just depends on how you're playing. I think it benefited Florida. I think Florida benefited from it majorly, and you could tell in that game. And and yeah, when it comes to Auburn being tired or looking tired or playing tired, like I get it. I get it. It's that time of the year. It's that time of the season, mid-February, where teams are... I mean, you've been playing a lot of basketball, and the SEC schedule is brutal. You're playing two games a week. You're traveling nonstop, whether you're going out to a school or coming back to Auburn or whatever. Like, There's a lot going on, but guess what? Everybody else is doing it too. Auburn's not special. They're not the only ones traveling and going through the middle of the season, so... You've got to find a way to overcome that. That's why I say this is the time of the year that championship teams are made and those teams separate themselves from the others. And Auburn has a chance to do that, but they haven't done it yet. 334-321-1390. We'll talk more basketball and some college football when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Phone lines are still open here in hour number one, 334-321-1390. Reminder, we'll have Daryl Dapperts join us coming up in hour number two at 315. He'll be with us. We'll be talking uh, Auburn basketball, a little Auburn football, some Auburn baseball, all sorts of great things with Double D coming up in hour number two. But speaking of college football, I know it seems like there may not be a ton happening right now as we're in the middle of February. It's the dead period, right? There's not a ton of recruiting. There's no recruiting happening. And and spring practice still six weeks, five, six weeks away. Like It seems like there's not a lot going on. But ESPN did release an update, I should say, their way-too-early top 25. And... Shocker, Auburn's not on it, but there are a lot of SEC teams on here and a lot of interesting notes. And so you start from the bottom and you kind of work your way up here. Texas A&M's on there at 25, Kentucky's at 23, you keep moving up, you've got Tennessee at 16, you have Oklahoma at 14, because when we start talking football, we've got to include Oklahoma and Texas now, because they're a part of the SEC in football season, so they're at 14, you also have the defending national champions, the Michigan Wolverines, they're at 13 after losing their head coach, Harbaugh, he's going to the NFL like we all predicted, LSU at 12, and that's a sneaky good LSU team, man. Alabama at nine, and that's where I want to pause for just a second. I'm really curious on what the outside expectation is for Alabama. And by outside, I mean non-Alabama fans. Because we can all make a pretty good guess that the expectations are going to be high to start with. They may have tempered them a hair, But when the football season kicks off, when that ball's sent through the air in September, they're all going to go back to, we want championships, we demand championships, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. But 
as we get closer to the spring and as we go through the summer and then eventually get closer to the fall, what is going to be the expectation for Alabama? Because I don't know. I really don't know. Like, what do Auburn fans expect to see from them? What do SEC fans expect to see from them? What does the college football landscape expect to see from them with Kalen DeBoer as their new head coach and having to apparently promote the tight ends coach to become their offensive coordinator because he dipped out for the NFL and and bringing in good talent but not to the level they have before and all those players transferring out. Like, I'm, I'm really, really interested – and what people expect from them when the football season starts. But I ask you right now, what is your expectation for Alabama as we talk about Auburn's biggest rival? What is the the expectation for them as of right now? Because that's a team that just made it to the playoff. That's a team that just watched their greatest coach of all time walk away. It's going to get worse, but by how much? 334-321-1390. We'll get to the phone lines. And, Ed, you're on the line, man. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good. How, how you doing, Jake? I'm good. I'm good. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I was going to call just talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, when our defensive line coach uh, left for the NFL, mm-hmm. we caught a little bit of, you know, some giggles from uh, UAT. But now that they've had, you know, uh, OC and a offensive line coach mm-hmm. leave, and you see uh, Chip Kelly leaving UCLA to take an OC job yeah. at Ohio State. Yeah, uh, I mean, coaches are getting. Uh, I, I'm telling you, and everybody else listening to on eleven to the show that starts here at eleven, and there's there's nothing that's going to be done. There's nothing can be done. Something is going to be done. Something has to be done because they are. It, this is this is just chaos, and you're losing. Nobody nobody wants to be a part of this. You know. Yeah. I, when I say nobody, I mean a lot of people don't. And, and it's just gotten uh, over the. I, 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 I think at least a two year scholarship. I, I, I think you, you know. Get a governing committee that mm-hmm. has some grip and just has some rules, you know, over college football. I would say the heck with the NCAA. They're not they're not doing anything but but you know nitpicking and they, they never for the last thirty years they hadn't been fair. But uh, you know, get a committee and uh, hey, listen, I've heard the name thrown up there. If they want to put Nick Saban mm-hmm. at the committee and you know how big an Auburn fan I am just just have somebody get some room do yeah. something because yeah. you're burning the game right no, now. I, I'm with you Ed Before I you am guys. yeah appreciate the call Ed and 334-321-1390 and yeah that's the thing is is and Ed you're talking about nobody in quotations like there's a large group of folks that don't want to be a part of the college game anymore because of what it has become and, and it's 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 understandable right you can you can you can process and understand where they are coming from because of why they don't want to be a part of it. And yeah, you bring up a great example. Chip Kelly leaving as a head coach to go to an offensive coordinator in college football. A Big Ten team to another Big Ten team just to be the OC and not the head coach. And, you know, Ed brings up the 
the committee or whoever it is, a governing body to come together and fix this and try to guide this in a new direction. And I think the SEC and the Big Ten have already taken that step. I think that, you know, you saw the news of them coming together to help change the direction of the future of college football or whatever the word is they used. And I've said this for years now. Eventually, those two conferences and anybody else that's strong enough that they want to bring with them, they're going to join together and they're going to tell the NCAA to kick rocks. They're going to do it because the NCAA does not benefit them anymore. And that's exactly what's going to happen because of where college football has gotten to with all of the topics we talk about pretty much on a daily basis nowadays. Let's get back to the phone lines. Shane, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, man. Uh, how, how many how many games do you think they're going to lose this this coming year? Alabama. Yeah. Uh, it's a good question. I mean, numerous. Yeah, I would yeah, think. I think I think four, maybe five. Us, I think we'll be the you know depending on how we are and how they are, we can add that one in there. But mm-hmm. Georgia, they're, gonna, they're not beating yeah. Georgia. No, they're not beating Georgia. At, at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're winning. I don't think they're winning that one at LSU. Don't think they're winning that one at Oklahoma. That's tough. Yeah, the week That's before tough. the and week then, before the Iron Bowl. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then they got us. So I see four, and I don't know anything about Wisconsin. So you know, you might could throw that one in there. I have no idea if they're not Wisconsin of you know fifteen years ago. That, that was a good team when uh, Brett Bielema was coaching, but but. Uh, I don't. I don't. I know nothing about Wisconsin. So you can. You know. I mean, they're. I think they went. On, I think they went seven and six last year. So nothing. Nothing really to okay. write home about. Okay. Well, uh, I, they're they're not going to beat Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, I don't. I I don't know about LSU. LSU always has five stars. So so and they have a really good coach. So you know, depending on who their quarterback is, you're going to throw. It is at LSU. So. Hmm. I'm going to go ahead and mark that one down. Yeah. And Oklahoma, Auburn. So I see four or five. Yeah, I, I, I see three. Like, that's devastating for them. Yeah, and it's going to be a reality check, Shane. It is. It's going to be yeah. a reality check. And I I don't know. I think we can make a guess on what the fan reaction is going to be, but until it happens, well, I, I don't know. I, I, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be awesome just to sit here and watch them stew in it. I mean, it's 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 a long time coming. They did theirs, all right, and that's that's great. Now, now they're gonna they're gonna have to feel mortal again, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, feel what what it's gonna be a be some great feelings. Now, Auburn, on the other hand, uh, we we have Oklahoma at house at, at home, and then we got Georgia. Yep. So that might be two right there, uh, and then what? Well, we got then Alabama. So. I think three, uh, you know, three big games for us. Who, who are what are the losses you see from Auburn? Uh, so for Auburn, I think you should no doubt about it. You should start four and zero with Alabama, A and M, California, New Mexico, and Arkansas. I think that should one hundred percent be four and zero. And if it's not, we're in big trouble. Um, then you got Oklahoma at home. At home. Yeah. If we're four and zero by that time, we're, that means we're figuring our stuff out. You know. Yeah, that's right. And you know, I, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what that Oklahoma yeah. team's going to be. And that's a tough game, man. That's a fun game. That's exciting. It's new. But yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, one. I mean, yeah. you just never know. And then, unfortunately, next year's the bad year, right? You got to go to Georgia, 
and then you back that up with road trips yeah. at Missouri and at Kentucky, which aren't the toughest yeah. games, but three road trips in a row with a bye week in there, that's a tough month but of I'm, October, man. But by the same token, if you had to have, you know, Georgia, I'm just going to say loss on that one, okay? But if you had to have the, the next four games, that you couldn't be better for Auburn. I mean, yeah, Missouri and, and UK are, are on the road, but they're, they're that's winnable. And then you got Vandy and ULM. Yeah. So, so that's a that's a four game. I'm gonna say four games there, four games to start. That's eight right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you come home for A and M. Yeah. A and M's home. So. Yep. yep. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say nine. I'm gonna say nine with the, within it within the Alabama game being the top up for us too. And it very well could be. I mean, unfortunately, it's at you know it's in in Tuscaloosa, but yeah, we don't know what that team's going to be. You know, we have no right. idea. And, and, it, and let's say they have four losses by that point. You know, it, it's this how 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 confident are they going to be in themselves at that point at the end of the year, having four four or five losses? This is this is not unheard, you know it's not heard of for for that team or that fan base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and a you know first year head coach. How well is he handling right. that? How well is he coaching the team and managing the team? Yeah, I mean absolutely. Those are all those I are mean, all massive factors. Still there in spring. <laughs> I mean, players are still there in spring when they when they just lie to them all. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's anyway, a fair point. Where you go, buddy? Yep. Appreciate the call, Shane. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Isn't it great? Isn't it fantastic? We're getting to have conversations like this in mid-February. I love it. I love it in this state, man. I love it in this town, talking college football. And they're all realistic conversations, ones that we are going to have starting right now on February 13th all the way to August 31st when the season starts. And even before that, I'm sure there's week zero games that I don't know about yet. But you look at this, and I got started on this with the way too early top 25 that Alabama is number nine in, by the way. Missouri at number seven, Ole Miss number six, Texas number four, and then Georgia at number one. And yeah, you look at Alabama's schedule next year. We'll go back to that and then get to Auburn. Here's Alabama's schedule top to bottom. All right, Kalen DeBoer's first year, a coaching staff that he's having to just throw together with bubble gum off the bottom of a shoe right he's having to put it together just like every other first year coach does I don't want Auburn fans to get ahead of themselves or get overexcited about this and and try to throw throw stones here every first year coach has done and did exactly what Kalen DeBoer is trying to do and get a coaching staff together some way shape or form now he's put that coaching staff together and about half of them have left already So he's got to replace those guys again. But you see what's happening here. Here's Alabama's schedule. Western Kentucky at home, hosting South Florida. And we know what that game was like last year. At Wisconsin, which I don't think is easy. I don't think Wisconsin's very good, but a road game in the Big Ten. When's the last time Alabama did that? Who's got that stat? When's the last time Alabama went on the road in the Big Ten? I couldn't tell you. Home versus Georgia at Vanderbilt. Home versus South Carolina, at Tennessee, home versus Missouri, at LSU, home versus Mercer, at Oklahoma, and hosting Auburn in the Iron Bowl. After their first two games, Alabama goes back and forth home and away the entire season. It's kind of weird. But I'm kind of with Shane. Numerous losses as of right now that I see on the schedule. Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, 
one of Oklahoma or Auburn? What happens if they lose at Wisconsin? What happens if they let South Carolina come in and beat them in Bryant-Denny? What happens if they let Missouri come in and beat them at Bryant-Denny? I mean, these are conversations that we can start having right now that we could not have in the past. These are conversations that when we talk about South Carolina or Missouri coming in and beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa, you would get laughed at for bringing that up in the past. But guess what? With one change of events, with one change of leadership, all of those conversations become realistic. And it's going to be a change. It's going to be a reality check. One that Alabama fans just haven't had in a long time. And I'm not shooting, I'm not taking shots here. I'm talking real. Every fan base has gone through it. None like they're about to because nobody's felt it like that. Nobody's had that much success over that extended period of time. But Alabama's going to have some losses next year. And just looking at it right now for Auburn, before we get to break, yeah, Auburn should start 4-0 next year. There's no doubts. Alabama, A&M, California, New Mexico, and Arkansas all at home? Absolutely. You should win those those four games. The home game against Oklahoma, as of right now, it's a coin toss because we have no idea what those two teams are going to look like. At Georgia, probably a loss. At Missouri, at Kentucky, I'm going to say you lose one and win one. I don't know which is which, but I will go on, I will err on the side of caution and say that Auburn probably loses one of those games. But then you're home versus Vanderbilt, home versus ULM, home versus AM. And then you're at Alabama. We've talked about it when the schedule got released. This is one of the easiest schedules I've ever seen for Auburn football, ever. There's no reason eight or nine wins can't be a possibility this year. Let's get to our final break here in hour number one. We'll take that break, come back, wrap it up, and then remember, Double D, Daryl Dapperts will join us in hour number two at 315, but phone lines are still open, 334-321-1390. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. And thanks to uh, my show producers and interns here at ESPN. The question or the answer to the question that I had, we were looking at Alabama's football schedule and they play on the road at Wisconsin this year. And I posed the question because I genuinely did not know. When's the last time that Alabama played a road game in the Big Ten? Alabama football, that is. It was 2011 against Penn State. How about that? So, going on 13 years since Alabama has played a road game in the Big Ten. And then... You know, we started asking the question about Auburn. Of course, they played the Penn State series um, a few years back, and then it's been a while since Auburn's done it as well. And so I just don't know what Alabama's going to do in that game against Wisconsin. I don't think the Badgers are all that great. The year started out well with Luke Fickle, and they kind of fizzled out near the end. But he's a good coach, and I think he's going to get Wisconsin playing some pretty good football up there uh, in Madison. But... Again, I just I'm curious on as we move throughout the offseason what the expectations become for Alabama within the fan base of the Crimson Tide and then everybody else. And of course Auburn fans are gonna have 
they want the expectations to be high and then, of course, Alabama to miss them. But like Shane was talking about, and I think any reasonable fan can look at that schedule and say, yeah, they're probably going to drop a couple. And at what point does it become a disappointing season for Alabama? I don't know. We're going to find out. But then you can ask the same question about Auburn. It's year two under Hugh Freeze, year two under a new head coach. And year one did not obviously end the way you wanted it to. It ended about as bad as it could go. When does season two, when does year two become a disappointment? Or when does it become a success for Auburn? We're going to find out. But with a manageable schedule for Hugh Freeze and the Tigers, if you don't get out to a hot start, you're in trouble. Because it's an easy start to the season. It's an easy start. And yes, I'm saying easy. You should be 4-0. Some would argue you should be 5-0. And then you go on the road to Georgia. I don't think anybody can really expect Auburn to win there right now. Maybe that changes in the first five games of the year. We'll see. Then your road games at Missouri and Kentucky. Like Shane said, if you're going to pick any games to have on the road in this conference, those are the ones you want to play. That and Vanderbilt, and you play them the next week at home because you already went to Nashville. Then home versus ULM, A&M, and then Alabama. So, yeah, I think Auburn, here's the question. How about this? Who should have higher expectations in 2024, Auburn football or Alabama football? How about that? Hour number one in the book. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. We'll keep talking some football, talk some basketball as well, and then we'll take an early break in the first segment because Daryl Daprich will be joining us to talk about all of that and more coming up in hour number two. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well here on ESPN 106.7. It's a Tuesday afternoon, gorgeous day in the Auburn Opelika area. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. Hour number one in the books. You know what that means. We are underway here in hour number two. If you missed any of the first hour, had some good basketball conversation, also some football talk as well. I got some hypotheticals looking at schedules for 2024. I mean, all sorts of good stuff in hour number one. So if you missed any of that, you can catch it with the podcast at ESPN. 
ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Coming up here in hour number two, we're about to get to the phone lines then. And after this first segment, we'll take that early break because we've got Double D. Daryl Dapperts will be joining us to talk all things Auburn Athletics. So excited to have him join us at 315. But until then, phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. And that's where we begin hour number two with Terry. You're on the line. Hey, Jacob, how's it going, man? It's going well, man. How are you? Pretty good. Jacob, I want, I want to comment on the Auburn game against Florida Saturday. Okay. Uh, two, two things I'm hearing, uh, a more experienced team and a bigger team. Now, I don't I don't buy either one of those because there's a lot of experience in the Auburn locker room. Those are full of juniors and seniors who have played a ton. The um, I don't necessarily buy the other one either. It should not be a reason, but you've heard this for several years now. They have a size matchup issues. Aiden Holloway and 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 some of those guys are just they're just too small. There they are, and t- people take advantage of it. And how many times have you heard in the NCAA tournament backcourts or what wins it for you? Yeah, sure, sure it is. And and, and I, just, I just worry about that. that's a concern. That's a major concern. I don't. I realize Florida's a different level, and, and yeah, and they're a national title contender. I realize that, but I'm not as disappointed in the win. I'm disappointed in the performance. Or the loss, excuse me, I'm sorry. Yeah. Or the loss, the performance. Yeah, and, you know, I'm going to to disagree with the size one and the and the experience one, too, because I don't buy either one of those. I, I just – Auburn is a very experienced team. They've got – Guys, yeah, Janai Broom, Jalen Williams, Chris Moore, who's in the starting lineup. I mean, you've got Auburn-experienced guys, and then you have college basketball-experienced guys. Denver Jones is very experienced. He's played college yeah, basketball a long time. There's a ton of experience. Right. No, I, I'm with you. I think you had said you heard that and you disagreed with it too. And, yeah, and I disagree with it. Yeah, I, I do too. And, you know, with Auburn's size, I don't I, – more than they've ever been, I think Auburn compares pretty well with, with other teams at all five positions with, with Janai Broom and Dylan Cardwell down low and with Jalen Williams, Chaney Johnson, Chad Baker, Mazar with their length with the three and four. And then I think Auburn's guards have – I mean, shoot, Terry, they're bigger than they've been in a long time. Wouldn't you agree? I, oh, totally. Totally, but the other the other factor is too that I don't I believe Bruce Pearl's got way more experience than the Florida coach. Bruce Pearl as a coach, yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that's what I'm saying. So I don't buy the the excuse of 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 of, of experience. I don't buy that at all. Size, it's just been reoccurring. I think uh, this I do I do agree with what you said. I think the guards are bigger, but it just continues to be a problem. And I, I do think Aiden Holloway's uh, you know look he's shooting 25 percent over the last few games. Let's be honest. He's not. He, he what is he five eight five nine? Uh, I think he. They may have him listed at six foot or maybe even six one. I don't think he is. The hair may help him get there, but um, they've they've got him listed around six foot. I mean, he's a McDonald's All American. I realize that, but Albert's struggles on the road are are well documented. And I don't want to hear somebody call up talk about Arkansas, who's terrible, or Vanderbilt, who's always terrible, and Ole Miss, who's extremely overrated. Look at their schedule. They're bad on the road, and and they don't play the NCAA tournament in Neville Arena. Exactly. Exactly. So, now they don't play he, it in Gainesville either, but they don't play it in Neville Arena, and and that both of those statements are true. Right, and I just everybody's struggling on the road. I don't, I don't, I'm not singling Auburn. It sounds like I am, but I'm not because everybody struggles on the road. But let's let's be honest. The guard thing is something that we've heard for years on end for a while now. Yeah, it is, and it, you know, I I go back to a couple of things with the size and kind of the guys underneath. I think Auburn matches up very well. Um, I think they do have, and people don't want to hear this, Auburn at times 
and I'm not going to spe- I'm not going to call out any specific player, but Auburn has a tendency to go soft at times. They have a tendency to back off that. a little bit and yeah. not play as physical as they do at other times. And that yeah. and teams take advantage of that. And they have and Florida did that 100% on Saturday. I also think that Auburn has a tendency to get in their own head and not be as focused and be ready to go as they need to be as well. And I put that on coaching 100%. Well, that that goes back to what we talked about, about experience. Experience teams don't do that. They don't read their own press clippings. Exactly. Exactly. They, they don't, you can't get in an experienced head. You can't do that. Right. And that's what's, I think, disappointing for a lot of Auburn fans is this isn't this isn't a Kentucky team with five freshmen in the starting five. This is an Auburn team that's got seniors in the starting five and seniors on the bench that have been here and done that before, and a lot of the same problems still remain. And juniors who have played a ton. Yes. Janiah Brooks is a junior, isn't he? Yes. And he's played a ton. Mm-hmm. And not so, just at that, Auburn. Again, he's an experienced college basketball guy. Right, exactly. And that, that's, that's something needs to be talked about. And I just, I just don't buy that, the way they got pushed around, you know, they got pushed around in Tuscaloosa too, and by a team. How do you lose by four and win by seventeen? I don't think home court's that big an advantage. Oh, some would some would argue that it is when it comes I to Neville Arena. Advantage, but but a, a, a thirteen point advantage. Maybe I mean there's a lot of people that say Neville Arena gives Auburn a ten point advantage as soon as the ball's tipped off. Well, I, that's not thirteen. Yeah. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. And I'm just saying that there's that big a difference. And so. maybe it is, and maybe it's not. And another thing I've heard a lot about Terry while I've got you here is, and Bruce Pearl has said it right now in his press conference he's having over at the arena is Auburn was tired. Auburn was tired from the from the game against um, Alabama on Wednesday, and then traveling to Florida. Get over it. That's what How I do say. You tired playing eleven players. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's what Spectre was talking about in the first hour. He was like, how can you be tired if your team is this? We keep talking about how deep this Auburn team is. Why are we tired? Why is this team exhausted? And I get it. It's the middle of the season. It's that two- to three-week lull in the SEC conference schedule that you've got to find a way to grind it out and push your head down and, and push through it because every other team's doing it right now too, Terry. Yeah, Jay, you know what that sounds like? When the Alabama fans all said it was blame things on the referees. Hmm. <laughs> Take care, Jacob. Thanks so much, Terry. 334-321-1390. I just feel I just feel like there's so many things you could say. And again, I completely understand with Auburn playing a game on Wednesday. And Bruce Pearl said this, and I'm 100% with him. You play a tough, physical, 40-minute basketball game on Wednesday against your rival in Alabama. You then have to get ready to travel on Friday to Gainesville and play a Florida team that's extremely physical, always has been, always will be, a place historically you just have not played well in a long, long time, and you have, what, a day and a half to prepare for them? That's tough. It is absolutely tough. But at this point, I just feel like You've got to find a way to overcome it. You have to find a way to beat a team where I feel like you did have the disadvantage because you were tired. You were coming off that game on a Wednesday night versus a Florida team that didn't have a midweek game. And I think that hasn't been talked about enough. That has not been talked about enough. A Florida team that had five full days to prepare for you 
rest up for you, host you. All of that factors in here. It absolutely does. But to something Terry said about the NCAA tournament not being played inside of Neville Arena, that's true. And I've continued to say it's also not played in Lexington. It's also not played in Tuscaloosa. It's not played in Gainesville. And yes, college basketball has been very tough this year. Road teams are terrible this year. They are. They're never great. That's why it's tough to win on the road. That's why upsets happen all the time. And look around college basketball. It's happening like crazy right now. But I always go back to this. And this is my belief. You don't have to buy into it if you don't want to. But I don't care that Kansas lost on the road to Texas Tech last night. I don't care that you've got ranked teams in the Big 12 and in the Big 10 that go on the road and lose to unranked teams. I don't care that Wisconsin's on a four-game losing streak. I don't care that Kentucky's lost three straight games at Rupp Arena. Because none of that has anything to do with this Auburn team in particular. Those problems that Kansas has, or UCLA has, or Ohio State has, or Clemson has, or whoever... Those problems don't impact or affect Auburn's team at all. Auburn's problems are Auburn's problems. And Auburn's good things are Auburn's good things. So just because it's tough to win on the road in the SEC or in the Big Ten or in the the Big East or wherever, Auburn still has to find a way to try to overcome that. And believe me, they've still got chances to do it, right, at Georgia. At Tennessee, you've got a game at Missouri. And you still have tough games inside your building that you have to take care of business. And that's just kind of the way I look at it, is you can say college basketball is tough this year, and it is tougher than it's ever been. But that doesn't impact Auburn. Kansas State's issues are not Auburn's issues. Alabama's issues are not Auburn's issues. Auburn's got to find a way to work on them and fix them. And that's what the month of February is all about. You don't want to have to fix these problems in March or try to fix these problems in March because I promise you can't do it. You cannot fix them in March. You've got to fix them right now. And this is a really good Auburn team, a really talented Auburn team, a very high ceiling Auburn team. And they've got chances to prove that here down the stretch. We'll take our first break here in hour number two. When we come back, Daryl Dapperich going to join us on the phone lines. We'll talk a lot of basketball with him, a little bit of football, and some baseball too. Double D joining us when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. All right, it is Tuesday in the second hour, which means we are joined by a great friend of mine, Montgomery radio legend himself, guest on Locked on Auburn a couple of days a week, Double D, Daryl Dapperts joining us on the phone lines. Daryl, great to hear from you, man. How are you? Man, it's good to be with you. Love and look forward to these Tuesdays. They come fast every week, and uh, 
Just glad to be back with you, man. Well, I appreciate you being here. Appreciate your time. Daryl will be with us for the next 30 minutes. Next two segments on the show, we uh, we had so much fun, we decided to double our time together. And we appreciate him being a part of it. And uh, so much talk today and this week about what happened on Saturday. We're going to get into what happened, Auburn basketball in Florida. Look ahead to the insane week that Auburn basketball is about to get into and of course some baseball things as well but Daryl your best breakdown of what happened for Auburn on Saturday in Gainesville everybody's got you know different thoughts and different opinions and different explanations uh, but uh, I want to hear what you have to say well I think first of all the the overall panic or the overall just overreaction to that is a little bit um you know, I think disappointing or too much, a little dramatic. I think that during any course of a basketball season, even the elite teams come out and just have some of those games where the other team shoots lights out, can't miss, mm-hmm. you know, you turn it over or you, you know, you struggle from the field. Now, could it, you know, is it that you didn't defend hard enough or you didn't guard enough? To, the other team did that. In some cases, it could. But what we saw Saturday, was the perfect storm. Auburn coming off an emotional win against their arch rival and really, you know, looking just absolutely uh, boat racing them. That was for first place, that game for first place. So a lot of emotion, a lot of energy was expended there. And then you come, you have to go on the road to a place you haven't won since 1996. And Florida comes out and just shoots lights out. I mean, absolutely shoots lights out. There were some things that Auburn, I think, could have done better. The turnover situation was unacceptable. Um, you got to hit free throws. You know, their free throw percentage was bad. But at the end of the day, it was the perfect storm. Florida came out on fire, hit, hit a lot of their shots early from a field goal percentage standpoint, point, and Auburn struggled. And by the time Auburn was able to, in the second half, to start having a pretty consistent field goal percentage and, and shoot the ball well, it's too late. You're having, you're having to dig out of an 18-point hole. So those games happen. Even the elite basketball teams in the country, the Blue Bloods, have three or four stinkers a year. And sometimes you can play through that and get a win if the other team is not playing at elite level. But Florida was playing at a high level Saturday, and that combination, in my opinion, just doomed Auburn. And there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of conversation, and rightfully so, Darrell, about – the both team situations going into the game you brought it up already about Auburn beating Alabama on a Wednesday not a Tuesday on a Wednesday which there is a difference there coming off of that then having to travel very little time to prep in comparison to Florida having an entire week off to prepare for that Auburn team that has to be brought up here it does no I get it there's people that say well championship caliber basketball teams overcome that and they do Sometimes, but I look. If we want to consider Auburn to be a you know high level basketball school, and then the fans, some of the fans, in my opinion, need to be a little bit more uh, understanding, or you know, at a high level as well. I mean, it, you you need to. It's not football, and it's thirty something games throughout the year. Case in point, Kansas Blue Blood. Yeah. Right. They go on the road last week and get beat by their arch rivals, Kansas State. They come home, win a big game against Baylor, and then go on the road last night and get boat raced by Texas Tech. 
Tennessee goes on the road and gets beat by 18 or 19 by Texas A&M Saturday to a team who I don't think is as good as Florida. Florida provides a matchup problem for Auburn on two fronts. If their guards get hot, like those guards did, Pulliam and the other point guard with the headband, you also can run bigs. They run three bigs at you on the block, Samuel and the other two dudes, and they just come at you in waves. And Broom and Williams, you know, that took a toll. Uh, And then you've got guards playing well, too. So if Georgia's guards aren't shooting it well, that's a whole different story. They were. And, again, they kept running bigs at Auburn. There is going to be a time where Auburn's going to face a coach that schematically is going to take Williams and Broom out of the game, and Auburn's guards are going to have to step up and win a game for them. Will that happen? Can that happen? Yes, but it won't happen when your starting guards have two points at halftime. Can't happen. Mm -hmm. And so at some point, Trey Donaldson and Denver Jones, Katie Johnson played his tail off. He was the only one that, you know, from a guard standpoint, that played well Saturday. Aiden Holloway's kind of disappeared. He's hit that freshman wall. You better start getting good guard. You can, you know, get to the a, a top four seed in the SEC tournament and win 23, 24 games with the formula that's going on right now because more often than not, Williams and Broom are going to go off. But when you get into the tournament and if you want to advance, at some point your guards have to step up and play better. And I think that's one of the things that Auburn is, is left uh, unanswered right now. Which is it's so it's so crazy because you know back in back in non-conference play we were talking and rightfully so again about just how good Auburn's guards are with Denver Jones and at the time it was Aiden Holloway starting and then you go to the bench and oh no you bring in Katie Johnson and Trey Donaldson who are really good one and two guys as well and now of course you've got Trey Donaldson getting the majority of the starts but. Here we are again where it seems like the guard play, when it's on, it's some of the best in the country, but when it's not, it really hurts Auburn, and I think that's been a storyline for the last few years here, Daryl. Yeah, I think it, and that starts and stops with Holloway. When Holloway, the first eight or ten games, was averaging double digits and that assist-to-turnover ratio was off the chart, everybody kind of just followed suit. I mean, you were getting really good point guard play from an efficiency and a scoring standpoint. And then we were waiting for Denver Jones to kind of wake up a little bit, right, and get going score-wise. I still think he will. I still think at some point during the season he's going to have a two- or three-, four-game stretch where he carries Auburn and hits some shots. Um, You're talking about Aiden right there? I'm talking about uh, Denver. I still think Denver has not shown us what he's capable of. I think Aiden Holloway has hit that freshman wall. I think he's lacking confidence right now. He looks a little bit deer in headlights, and I think the only way you get that back is sometimes it just takes one game. One game of going off for about 18 or 20 and hitting three or four threes, and you're right back. You feel the confidence again. That's what he needs. But, you know, I'm I'm looking to see more from Denver Jones. I'm looking to see Trey get a little bit more consistent from a scoring standpoint because the guard play has fallen off. And, again, you can't count on Jalen Williams and Broom to be supermen every game and of course Jalen Williams on the road seems to struggle a little bit different Jalen Williams than at home I suspect a lot of those questions will be answered Wednesday night and I think that Auburn will come out and have one of its better performances tomorrow night against South Carolina okay okay well I definitely want to get to that and you know I I have a weird suspicion Daryl and I could be completely wrong but I have a weird feeling that even if Aiden Holloway doesn't figure it out here down the stretch in these final set of SEC games, 
it just feels like he's the type of guy because of how good of a shooter he is, how good of a ball handler he is, and let's just be honest, how good of a player that he is. There's going to be a time, whether it be in Nashville for the SEC tournament or hopefully in the NCAA tournament, where he just gets hot and he just starts hitting crazy shots, those logo threes that he likes to take, and he could be the difference that Auburn wins a game or two in the postseason. He's going to have to be. I think if Auburn wants to go into the postseason and win and get to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8, Aiden Holloway is going to have to have one of those games at one point. You cannot consist – I don't care how good of a front court you have because what will happen is they'll start sagging on him, and if he gets 18, 19 minutes and they just say, you know what, he's not shooting the basketball well, I'm going to sag and pack it in the zone, pack it inside, then it takes away – Williams, it takes away Broom, it clogs the middle for Chad Baker-Mazar to come off that wing, that offside because he's left-handed and drive the basketball. It really changes your offense a lot when they can sag off of you. Mm-hmm. I think Holloway will get it going, but again, even if he even if he hits one or two shots and it gets somebody to come out on him a little bit and extend past the three-point line, then you're back in your rotation of finding Broom and Williams down low and you're getting the middle open for dribble drive penetration. That's why it, it starts and run it starts and ends with the point guard position. And Holloway is that dude that can hit a couple logo jumpers like you said and bring the defense out. And have you have you liked the move with Trey Donaldson starting? I think most people probably do, um, just because of the struggles with Aiden, but you felt okay with Trey being the starter there at the one spot? Yeah, a little you know, two reasons. He's very experienced. He's been a little bit more steady. He hasn't been up and down, cold and hot. He's been a little bit more consistent. And then you don't want to keep running you know, Aiden out there if he's struggling from right. a confidence standpoint. Sometimes coming off the bench and starting the game over on the bench and letting the game come to you and watching it unfold relaxes you a little bit and you can, it slows the game down and you play better. And I think that's what they're trying to do with Holloway. We're talking with Daryl Dapperts, Double D with us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, talking all over basketball after they come off the loss against Florida. A big win against Alabama last week, and then, of course, the loss at Florida with a huge week. Big opportunities for this Auburn team, two of them to be exact, with South Carolina coming in on Wednesday, that's tomorrow, and then Kentucky coming in on Saturday. Both of those are top 25 matchups that Auburn is going to have to uh, try to, to weather the storm and uh, we're getting Daryl's thoughts on that, and that's what we're going to do coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. South Carolina and Kentucky, man, which one are fans more stressed out about, worried about? We're going to find out and see what Daryl has to say, plus maybe a little baseball talk here on ESPN as well. That's all coming up here on the Tuesday edition of Hold the Line. Daryl, hold on with us. We'll be right back. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader and joining us on the phone lines as we continue on talking with Daryl Dapperts, man. Tell everybody where you're at, where they can find everything you're up to nowadays, man. Yeah, on Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm on Locked on Auburn with Zach Blackerby, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. And then we do a basketball postcast after every basketball game. We do a live show immediately when the game is over for about a half hour, sometimes 45 minutes when it's a big win. Allow people to participate in the live chat, ask questions, that kind of thing. With you on Tuesday afternoons and with our good friend Ben Taylor, uh, WANI, uh, at uh, 710 on Mondays. Mm. So 710 um, uh, Monday mornings. So just really appreciative of the opportunities to, uh, you know, be on some Auburn stations and talk Auburn sports. Well, you and Zach will be going live tomorrow night for Auburn basketball after they host number 11, South Carolina, man. This is... Well, I'm glad you said that real quick. I, I want to jump in on a programming note. Uh, we will not. I mean, we will not be going live. Zach, it's Zach's wife's birthday, and I'm about to be a grandfather for the second time. Oh, well, congratulations. So, yeah, we, thank you, man. Uh, another girl granddad uh, uh, that I will be, I'll be uh, tomorrow. My daughter goes, and so... Uh, with that and with it being Zach's wife's birthday, uh, we just you know decided probably best to uh, not do one tomorrow. We'll be, we'll be back at it Saturday, though, after the Kentucky game. Uh, I mean, I guess you guys have your priorities in line. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, uh, congratulations to you on becoming a granddad Thanks. again. That's a big deal. I know it is for you and being such a big family guy that you are. And so uh, so you guys will not be live, but there still will be a basketball game unless they maybe canceled it. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll have to talk to uh, Auburn Athletics to see if they postponed it. But, no, Auburn in South Carolina tomorrow. And, um, Daryl, I think the easiest way to, uh, to describe this South Carolina team is the biggest surprise in the SEC and maybe one of the biggest in college basketball. Yeah, their coach, uh, probably considered to be coach of the year. This is a team that was one of the worst teams in the SEC last year, and now they're, what, 11th in the country and really playing well. Uh, B.J. Mack, they have some transfers, uh, portal transfer guys that are really shooting it well. The interesting thing is they don't start anybody over 6-7. So, you know, if there's ever a time that Auburn should play to its strengths and go through its bigs and try to win the battle, you know, points in the paint, it's tomorrow night. Now, they can get hot and they can shoot it, but I like Auburn defensively trying to do like they did against Alabama last week, extending, taking the three-point shot away from South Carolina. Because if you go through Broome tomorrow night and you go through your bigs, I think Auburn has a great chance to win and win comfortably. And this is a South Carolina team that when you talk about them, the first thing that gets brought up is their defense, Daryl, and you know that. And you look at what they've done in the last seven games and this seven-game winning streak, they have not allowed anybody to score more than 70 points. Nobody's even gotten close. It's 65 is the closest. I mean, what can Auburn do to overcome that stymie defense of the Gamecocks? Well, and they do that, like I said, without a starter over 6-7. So they, I think teams settle. When they play them, they, they try to shoot a lot of threes. They try to go heavy perimeter. For Auburn to stymie that, they have to understand that they can get baskets in the paint. They don't have to you know rely on shooting threes. They don't have to rely on baskets and transition. If they're patient, they can run half-court sets and have the opportunity. Now, with that comes going to the free-throw line. 
like Auburn did against Alabama, who does not guard the interior well at all. And I don't want to hear all the complaining and all the belly aching about Auburn shooting that many free throws. It's because Alabama can't defend. And they struggle defending, and so they foul. If, if that happens, and Auburn gets to the free throw line even 30 times, 25 times tomorrow night, it could be a long night for South Carolina because you can still score from the free throw line by feeding the ball inside. The key is Auburn's going to have to at least shoot 75% from the line. They can't do like they did against Florida and shoot in the 50s. Uh, you're giving away points. So look to get baskets, uh, feeding the in, inside on the block. And then if you turn South Carolina over, Auburn's going to have to match its defensive intensity with South Carolina. South Carolina's known as a team that's good defensively, but that's what a trademark of Bruce Burrell's teams, you know, being able to guard you and defend you. So winning the turnover battle, if Auburn can do that, obviously winning the points in the paint, that's, that's the key to getting up over 65. But, but if Auburn has to win an ugly game, and if the game stays in the 60s, Auburn can do that the way they defend. They can win it 65, 60, something like that if they have to. They can, they can muddy it up and play ugly and win too. You just hope that they don't have to and they can cross that 70 threshold. Yeah, I think that may be. I mean, if any team gets above 70, that may be your winner tomorrow. I mean, it, yeah. it, it literally may get to that point because look at South Carolina and their three losses this year. 67 points, 69 points, and oh yeah, 47 when they played Alabama. Yeah, I think that, you know, that that's the, that's the thing. You, you, you have to look at a team and say, okay, this team prides itself and they, they, they run their offense off of their defense. This is their trademark. This is their stamp. They win ball games this way. Okay, what do we do? Well, we pound it inside. We get to the free throw line, and we match their defensive effort and intensity, turn them over a little bit, and get some easy transition baskets. You start doing that, and then South Carolina's comfort zone and what they're used to doing from a security blanket standpoint goes out the window. Uh, again, you're going to have to extend because they like to shoot threes. They're not – a big team or a tall team down low. They don't get on the offensive glass as good as some of the teams that Auburn has played in the past this year. So rebound the basketball, get to the foul line, limit the turnovers, and Auburn have a great chance to win. Auburn hosting number 11 South Carolina tomorrow night inside of Neville Arena. We don't want the team to look ahead, but we're in Sports Talk Radio. We're allowed to look ahead, Daryl. And this weekend, Kentucky comes to town, the number 22 team in the country. And, man, when you watch South Carolina and you watch Kentucky, you're looking at two polar opposite teams. South Carolina can't score the basketball, but they'll stop you from scoring. Kentucky, they can't stop you, but they can pour it in as well. Which one of these games scares you more, Daryl? South Carolina or Kentucky? Kentucky. I just think because law of averages, South Kentucky has not been playing well. South Carolina has. South Carolina is due for one of those stinkers, right? And I think it happens tomorrow night. Okay. Kentucky has not been playing well. They've lost on their home floor. They've been abysmal on the road. They do not guard anybody, but they have the most talented roster in the SEC. And when they flip the switch, and if it's one of those games where it goes right and the ball's going in and their talent comes up, to, you know, rises to the top, they're dangerous, and they can beat anybody. I'm shocked that they're, you know, still ranked. I mean, I, I get it that they won, you know, midweek last week, but I think they've lost three of their last four. Um, I don't know. I, they're, they're scary to me. They're like a wounded animal uh, trapped in a corner. And sooner or later, Kentucky is going to be Kentucky. I know that you know people could say that about Arkansas. We haven't seen that with Arkansas. I think they're just. They, I think it's a mess. I think there's some internal stuff going on with Arkansas. I think Musselman's got one foot out the door. 
But I think Kentucky, with the roster and the blue chips that they have, sooner or later, they're going to play at the high level that they're capable of playing, and that's why it scares me. Now, again, they, they ain't going to guard you, but you could lose a game, you know, 90 to 84, something like that. You just have to be careful if you're Auburn Saturday. So that one, I think, scares me a little bit more than the, than the South Carolina game. Not only has Kentucky lost three of their last four, they've lost four out of their last six. That includes at, at South Carolina. See, and how uh, long is that trend going to continue? Right. That's what scares me. I'm a law of averages dude. Yeah. And it, it, it's just sooner or later. But uh, that's why I want Kentucky to win. Doesn't Kentucky play tomorrow night? They play tonight. They host Ole Miss tonight. Again, they've yeah. lost three games in a row inside of Rupp Arena. they got another one on deck tonight. I, I, want, I think Kentucky, for Auburn's sake, needs to win that game tonight and win it. You know what I'm saying? From yeah. of averages yeah. standpoint, get that W back and then go back on the road, maybe in your mind, settle for a split. Kids are kids. That's what they do. So, you know, and with game day being there, you know, Saturday, like it always mm-hmm. is, that environment's going to be off the charts. Kentucky, more than any other team, though, that does not affect at all. They have played in so many big games, so many big tournaments, and that program was such a tradition in Cal. Uh, they don't get rattled with that crowd. Um, but – Especially with all the blue chippers, but yeah, I, I would hope that that they look, you know, they win tonight, so that they don't come into Auburn on a losing streak where the law of averages are they're about to get right. Well, you mentioned it. How about it that Auburn hosting college game day again? Right, they're doing it again in Neville Arena when Kentucky comes to town. I mean, for for people that have watched and, and covered and been a fan of Auburn basketball for more than ten years since Bruce Pearl's been here, I mean, what a dream this is and something that was not really possible before he got here. Yeah, I mean, you never would have thought in a million years that Auburn was going to host game day as much as they have. I think I saw a stat that they're one of five schools in the country and the other four significant Blue Bloods that have hosted every year since 2018. Um, I think they even hosted the COVID year where Auburn wasn't that good. So, you know, that's a tremendous uh, notch in the belt of Bruce Pearl's program. Um, The exposure is wonderful when you get that, the eyes of the nation and all the big daddies are there watching, and every time Auburn has done it, man, they haven't disappointed. Uh, they've come out and played really, really well. Yeah. And, again, I, I, I don't think they're going to lay an egg against Kentucky. I think they win the game. I think Auburn sweeps this week, and which is their probably their most important week. Uh, you know, it has an opportunity to beat two ranked teams at home and crawl right back and climb right back into the top ten. It speaks volumes that this team split over the week and only dropped one spot. Mm. And I know that has a lot to do with what teams are going on around you, but I think the respect is there, except for that idiot that's out at UCO and, and, and uh, works at the Connecticut newspaper that still hasn't ranked all. But I don't think he's even watched the game. <laughs> uh, that cat daddy, I don't know what he's doing. But yeah, um, other than that, I think the national respect when you, like I said, lose a game Saturday as bad as Auburn looked and you drop one spot, that that speaks volumes, I think. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you on that. We're talking with Daryl Dapridge with us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line with us every single week here on ESPN 106.7. Let's talk quickly here this coming up weekend, Friday's opening day, Daryl. I know you know that, Auburn baseball opening day on Friday afternoon, Friday evening, man. I know you're excited. Yeah, I got Eastern Kentucky coming in, 6 o'clock first pitch Friday night, and then 2, 1 p.m. start. I love going like to the Sunday afternoon games. You get out of church, go over there, sit in your shirt sleeves like James Earl Jones said in Field of Dreams. There you go. Soak in the sunshine, watch a little baseball. The the Tuesday game against UAB always is a, is a trap game. 
for Auburn, that midweek game, and UAB gives Auburn fits. But then they go to this Jacksonville College Baseball Classic, which is sweet. Uh, Jacob, they've got Iowa, who hopefully, if their offense is like their football offense, they won't score a run. And then you got Wichita State, who used to be a baseball powerhouse, man. They used to be in the College World Series all the time. And then Virginia, right? I mean, I think it's the first time Auburn's played Virginia in a sport since the double-dribble game, I think. Mm. Um so th- those are three good matchups, you know, three schools that is, is uh, a good test for Auburn. And I, and I like that they're playing in that Jacksonville AAA Meyer League Baseball Park, which is a lot of fun. Good trip for the Auburn baseball team and Butch Thompson. Yeah, I'm so excited about it. And you kind of look at the – you mentioned going on a Sunday afternoon. You look at the weather for this weekend. Friday, kind of looking a little cloudy. Saturday, they're calling for rain. But Sunday's supposed to be gorgeous, man. Now, I don't know how – you know, we, we all know what the weather's like sometimes. But oh, yeah. looking at Sunday, 56 degrees, partly sunny, partly cloudy. Sounds like perfect college baseball weather to me, man. Yeah, you don't want to – you want to stay over 60 degrees with those aluminum bats because it really – you get to – you get the tingles if you don't hit it on the barrel and you know <laughs> sitting in the stands. But it's just it. You know, I love for me like March baseball when it turns to March and you're in SEC play mm-hmm. and it's about seventy degrees and then you know that spring training is going on somewhere. It's really just a fun time of year to get you know. And, and March Madness starts. You got one eye on March Madness and the, the SEC tournament, and you're watching baseball. It's a great time of year. Getting you know getting close to the Stanley Cup playoffs at that point yeah i love it man i love it hey it's that time of year right mid-february we're getting into march you've got crossover season is upon us a lot of auburn sports going on professional sports getting down into the playoffs and then like you mentioned baseball season getting going as well so so many things for us to talk about over the next few weeks and daryl we uh, as always man we appreciate you and appreciate your time plug everything one more time tell people where they can find you and uh how they can uh Listen to even more Double D. Locked on Auburn Wednesdays and Fridays with Zach Blackerby, and after every basketball game, Monday mornings with Ben Taylor, and Tuesday afternoons with you, my friend. Awesome. Thanks so much, Daryl. I appreciate you more than All you right, know, buddy. man. All right. Take care. That's Double D. Daryl Dapperts joining us on the phone lines. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up the show here on ESPN 1067. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Been a great show. Appreciate you being with us, whether you've been here uh, since the start of the day, in and out of the car, or just now tuning in here at the tail end of it. I do appreciate you being with me here on ESPN 106.7. Thanks so much to uh, Daryl Dapperich also, who joined us and just got off the phone with him. Talked a lot of basketball with Auburn uh, hosting South Carolina tomorrow night, uh, number 11 South Carolina, that is. And who would have thought that at the start of the year or even at the start of SEC play that these two games back-to-back that South Carolina would be the bigger game rankings-wise than Kentucky would be? I mean, it's just it's crazy how this season has played out so far 
And uh, Auburn's got South Carolina tomorrow and then Kentucky on Wednesday. And Uncle T-Bone will be back in here tomorrow as we will talk all about the Auburn-South Carolina game. Also, uh, Jordan Hill will be joining us from Dogs 247. Excited to get some updates from the Georgia side of things uh, when it comes to basketball, baseball, anything else going on over in Athens. So that'll be on the show tomorrow. And been a lot of talk today, just kind of... It seems like we're trying to wrap up the conversation about Auburn and their performance on the road at Florida. And there's a lot of Auburn fans upset, and rightfully so, and a lot of fans that are just disappointed, I think, in the performance. And again, understandable. But when you look at it, Auburn still has road wins in the SEC, and more than most, there's only two teams that have more road wins in the conference than Auburn does. And it's the two teams that are above them right now. Now, you could say that Auburn's road wins may not be the best thing in the world, and I would have to agree. I think the Ole Miss went on the road's good. That's a tournament team as of right now. Now, they're a bubble team, but they're still a tournament team as of right now on this day of February 13th. And they will remain a bubble team down the stretch. And I talked about their their uh, schedule earlier in the show and it's not the easiest thing in the world but Auburn still has chances to get good road wins I think Georgia would be a good road win despite their record because that's a still a good Georgia team even though seems like they're losing steam down the stretch right you also have a road game at Tennessee that you have a perfect opportunity to get one of the biggest road wins of the season for Auburn But they still have road wins in general on the season in the SEC. You have that road win at Arkansas. And at the time, that was an astronomical win. That was a win of the year candidate already at the time. We didn't know Arkansas wasn't going to be all that great. But that was an Arkansas team that at the time before Auburn played them had a win over Duke, which is still a good win. So, Auburn can't help that Arkansas is not any good, but they went there and beat them by 30-plus points. They have a win at Vanderbilt, which I know doesn't carry a ton of weight, and you have a win at Ole Miss. Now, you were not able to get wins at Alabama, at Mississippi State, and at Florida, and I ask myself this question, what would have happened if Auburn had won either at Alabama or at Mississippi State. And I think I asked myself the Mississippi State one in particular. If Auburn had taken care of business and won that game. Would the Florida loss have had this much of a ripple effect? Would the Florida loss had have had this much of an impact? And a disappointment factor from Auburn fans? I don't think it'd be as bad. I think it depends on how the game looked too. That's a big part of this. That you have to remember When you talk about this, when you bring this up, it's not just the fact that Auburn lost, it's the way they did it. Same thing with Alabama. Same thing with Mississippi State, where you just could not ever get your feet underneath you in Stark Vegas. And when you went to Gainesville, you just got punched in the mouth early and and you were pretty much out of it by the second media timeout. So I think that's where a lot of Auburn fans get more upset. But you've got the chances. You still have the opportunities to get the wins you need. And you've got enough. You're fine right now. 
You're still going to make the tournament. You still have a good chance to be a top four seed in the SEC tournament. We know how important that is, how crucial that is. But these two games this week are wonderful opportunities for you to get big wins. Then you can go on the road to Georgia and Tennessee and try to get one of those road wins and make everybody happy. But it's time to do that for Auburn. And that's what tomorrow signifies. That's what Saturday signifies as well. And the rest of the season, Auburn has their chances. That's going to do it for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Uncle T-Boat will be back with me tomorrow. We'll talk all about the Auburn-South Carolina game, plus whatever else you want to talk about. That'll be on the Wednesday edition of On the Line 2-4, to right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.